0: They get on one boat and they sail to a certain place. And when they get there, uh, these fellas say, well, hey, I think it's about time that we move on, that we get to the next place. And Paul says, I don't think that's a good idea, fellas. He said, if I, th- I think if y'all go, he said, I perceive, I have a perception. And he said, I, I believe that if you go ahead and go, he said, this voyage is going to be with much damage. Not only the lading of the ship, not only the ship itself, but our lives. It's going to be perilous to all of us. And lo and behold, you know what happens later on down here in the passage? They get in a storm. Hey, you know what the difference is between getting in a storm and staying out of one is? Perception. It's what you see. It's your insight. You know, there's a lot of storms that you get into in your life. And the reason that you get into them is because you didn't see the warning signs. Yes, sir. The Bible, says, the Bible says that a prudent man foresees the evil and he hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. The Bible says that the simple believeth every word, but the prudent man looketh well to his going. A lot of the storms that you get in the middle of are caused by being gullible. Yes, sir. A lot of the trouble that comes up in your life is because you believe everything you hear. My daddy had a saying that he told me years ago, and he he repeated it oft. He said, believe nothing you hear and only half of what you see. I'm sure that didn't originate with him, but that's who I heard it from. And that's true. A lot of what you see is just magic tricks. It's sleight of hand. Hey, Brother Nathan, I believe this. Well, where did you learn that from? The Internet. Uh, you pay attention to the internet you 'll start believing that the Earth is flat I hope we ain 't got no flat earthers in here uh, but that 's a thing man you start believing you start believing that the, that the Earth is billions and billions and billions of years old. I read an article the other day. They said a study shows that the Earth is not billions and billions of years old. Well, I could have told you that they said it 's only millions of years old. No, no, it's not. Not according to the scripture. Yes, sir. Uh, Yeah, that's a different sermon for a different time. I'll get off on that. We won't, we won't get off that. Hey, a lot of your storms in your life comes from just believing everything you hear. Well, so-and-so said, well, such and such, this took place, and this is what I saw on the news, or this is what I hear is going on, and well, don't believe everything that you hear. Hey, some things you should believe. I recommend believing the gospel. I recommend believing what God speaks to you about from his scripture, from his word. But don't believe everything you hear. Oh, You say, why? Because a lot of trouble will come to your life out of that. Amen. Hey, if I could give a teenager any kind of advice, do not believe most of what you hear from your peers. Amen. That's just a God's honest truth. You want to know how to get into a large amount of trouble, Believe your peers. Believe your peers. I don't know why it is that you take advice from somebody that has as little life experience as you do. Listen, it's not that you're dumb. I mean, that might be the case. Maybe you are dumb. I'm not going to argue about that. But it's not that you're dumb. It's just you haven't lived long enough. Listen, if somebody comes to you that's 70 years old and they say, hey... You probably ought not to do that. That's going to wind you up in a bad spot. Well, maybe it would do you okay. Maybe it would be okay to say, well, would you care to elaborate a little? I'm kind of curious. But the last thing I do is say, you don't know what you're talking about. Even in my heart, that'd be the last thing. Hey, I grew up in a house to where I had a brother that was three and a, I still have a brother. Thank God he's still alive. But he's three and a half years older than I am. And I learned a lot. Just by watching my brother's dumb mistakes. Somebody said you can learn from mistakes, but they don't have to be your own. I heard that when I was a kid, and I did my, my best to take advantage of that little piece of advice. I tried to learn everything I could. I watched my brother rebel against my mom and dad, and rebel against my mom and dad, and rebel against my mom and dad, and use other family members to justify himself. You better be careful, grandma and grandpa, about justifying little grandbaby, rebelling against mama and daddy. You better be careful about that. Yes. Hey, when the wrath of mama and daddy comes out against little Johnny, you better... Listen, let me just tell you something. Let me, let me tell you. I'm not talking about abuse, but a lot of what you consider to be abuse is not abuse. When mama and daddy says no to Johnny, that is not abuse. Oh, they're warping his personality. If that's warping his personality, his personality needs to be so warped you can't even recognize it as nothing straight. Yes, sir, it needs to be warped like a dog's hind leg. If that's warping his personality. Hey, the problem with a lot of adults is that their personality's never been warped. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. That's true. And what causes a lot of that is family members being pitted against family members. I feel a little inclination to just hang out here for a second. Let me say this. When you get married, when you get married, your family is the person you're married to. For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. You know he doesn't ever give that instruction to a wife. That's just food for thought. That boy really got quiet there. I guess people really started thinking about that. I'm not saying that she got a right to cleave to mom and daddy. What I'm saying is, I, I believe you. Why? I'll, I'll tell you why I believe that instruction's not there. It's because for a, for a wife who knows a husband loves her and cares about her, she will. But little Johnny's attitude is, well, I got to run back to mama and daddy for everything that I need. No, sir. When you get married, you are married to that gal. Hey, young lady, when you get married, you are married to that fella. That's your home. That is your family. Well, my family is my mom and daddy. No, I'm not telling you to disown them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you can't go over to their house. I'm not saying that you can't have nothing to do with them. I'm not saying that they can't ever help you out. What I'm saying is you've got to get it in your mind that your family is this unit right here. My spouse, my children. You know what that'll do? That'll keep you from a lot of heartache down the road. When grandma and grandpa don't agree with the husband that you married or don't agree with the wife that you married, well, hey, that's my problem. Yes, yeah. 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 yeah, sir. If my parents don't like my wife, that's not true. They love my wife. But if my parents don't like my wife, I married her. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. It's my problem now. Right. Yes, yeah. yeah, sir. If my in-laws don't like me, and I don't think that's true, I think they like me. At least they act like it pretty good. Uh, but if my in-laws don't like me, that's her problem now. She married me. Yes, sir. That has nothing to do with weathering the storm, although it might have something to do with weathering the storm. A lot of storms might be tr- caused in your life because you're paying more heed to mom and daddy than you are to the person that you made a commitment to with a vow Hey, listen, mom and daddy t- took care of me because they gave, they, they brought me into this world. But I voluntarily took that wife on. I committed to her with my lips. I said, hey, I take you for better or for worse. Yeah. Yes, sir. So well, a lot of times it's worse. Okay, suck it up. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Hey, let me just tell you this. I'm trying my best to get off that. I done, started preaching another sermon. I want to get back to this one, but I will say this. A lot of what's wrong, if you've got problems in your marriage, maybe not all of it, maybe not everything, but a lot of what's wrong in your marriage is just a matter of perspective. You're looking at it wrong. If she would only, if he would only, no, if you would only, it goes back to what we've been saying for the last two services. It's you. You get right with God first, and I bet you. Now, I, don't, I don't know exactly the mindset of a woman, but i got a pretty good grasp on how a man thinks. And I, just from my own personal experience, what i found is that if I'd get right with God, my wife will follow. It might take some time. Amen. Let me get back to this sermon. You say, what's the difference in those things? Perspective. It's just perspective. Well, I don't like this, and boy, I just don't care much about this, and it's all bad. Well, that's perspective. That's a bad perspective, and a lot of that's going to cause trouble down the road. It's going to cause a storm. The problem lies in perception. Paul saw some things that the owner of the ship didn't see. You know who? You know who did not own this ship? The man who is offering his advice. Boy, that's kind of rude, ain't it? Those of you that was raised somewhat like I was, and I feel like I had a pretty good raising, but I was taught to mind my own business. Keep your nose out of other people's business. Hush your mouth. You see somebody else do something that uh, you don't like or don't agree with necessarily, hush your mouth. That's their house. That's why I don't hang out at people's houses as a pastor. Yes, sir. I don't want to know. I really don't want to know. Because it gets quiet about like it is right now. I go down to your house and find out you're listening to George Jones and I gotta preach against it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's preaching to me. Well, I mean, it was it was believe it or not, it was in my notes before I found out. Hey, I've had this sermon right here, I've had this sermon for a week. I didn't sit in my offices and say, What can I get Wyatt straightened out on? Yeah, that's a a God's honest truth, however I got on that. But here's a man offering advice. He ain't no owner of a ship. Hey, where do you ever see where Paul ever mounted up the sail and secured the tackling and said, let's go sailing on the Mediterranean? You ain't never seen him do that nowhere. But as soon as this fella says, hey, I think it's time to move on, this owner of the ship. Hey, I think it's time to move on. That's what he tells the centurion. Hey, it's time to go right now. And Paul says, it's not time to go. Here you got those two guys talking among themselves. And here's this bystanding fella that's a preacher. Hey, I think now's the time to go. Owner of the ship talking to the centurion. I think now's the time to go. And here's this nosy, busybody preacher. Pipes up and says, y'all ought not to do that. Owner of the ship sitting there looking at this nosy preacher. He's a Jew, so he is nosy. He got a big nose. You say, was that a racial joke? I guess. Maybe that was a racial slur. I don't know. But he says, what's this guy know about sailing a boat? Man, I've been sailing a ship longer than this guy's been alive. What's he know? Don't you know that happens in a church? Here's this 35-year-old guy standing up here telling me how I ought to order my life. And I've been working a full-time job longer than this guy. I was working a full-time job before this guy was a twinkle in his mama's eye. What's he know? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what a preacher knows. Hopefully what he knows, what he's supposed to know. He's supposed to know the God of the storm. Yeah, amen, right. yeah. You know what Paul had that the owner of the ship didn't? Insight. Yeah. He had a right perspective. Yeah. He had some perception. Hey, I perceive. That's what he said. Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with, with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Paul said, I've got some insight on this thing. I've got some insight on this thing. Yes, sir. Paul knew something about sailing in this instance that the man dedicated to his own profession didn't know. He had some insight. Storms are coming. Man, we got all this technology and we got this little thing with these little cups on it and it goes around when the wind blows. I don't even know what they call them things. We got these weather vanes tells us which direction direction the wind's blowing. We got this wind sock that tells us how fast that the wind's blowing. What's this preacher know? i tell you what he knows. He knows the God that's getting ready to bring this storm about. Amen. Brother Nathan, you don't know nothing about me. You don't know nothing about my job. You don't know nothing about my life. Hey, I know God. Yeah. I know God. I know the God of the Scripture. I know what the Bible says. Look at what he says. Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, it is not convenient. He said, because it was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. Everybody agreed with the owner of the ship. He said, the more part, the more part advised to depart thence also. The owner of the ship looked at the centurion and said, it's time to go. And the moment that the owner of the ship said, yeah, it's time to go, everybody else in earshot of the conversation said, absolutely. We agree with the guy whose life is dedicated to this profession. You say, well, Brother Nathan, oh, so and so said, and everybody's on board with him. What's that mean? Amen. Hey, listen, let me, let me say something as sincerely as I can. You better get in your mind, you better get in your head that the majority is hardly, hardly ever Right. Most of the time, it's the minority that's right. And when I say minority, I'm not talking about blacks and Asians and Mexicans. I'm talking about the fewer people that believe a certain thing. Usually, they're the people that's right. Usually. It don't always work out that way, but usually that's the case. Brother Nathan, the whole world says X. Then you better go ahead and put it in your heart to go 180 degrees in the other direction. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Dr. Dr. Ruckman, a lot of folks don't care for Dr. Ruckman. I don't agree with him about everything, but I will say this. Dr. Ruckman said the job of a Christian is to find out the spirit of the age in which a Christian lives and go exactly in an opposite direction against that spirit of the age. Hey, you don't find Peter, James, and John figuring out how to get along with Rome. You don't find Peter, James, and John figuring out how they can, you know, just not make waves. They just, hey, we got a job to do. We're just going forward, whether it makes waves or whether it doesn't. That's not our problem. That's not what we're trying to do. We're just trying to be obedient to the Lord and let the consequences fall where they will. Yes, sir. Well, everybody believes this way, Brother Nathan. What's that prove? What's that prove? Brother Nathan, everybody's going up here and bringing in all this rock and roll sound and music into the church. What's that prove? Brother Nathan, every denomination is now letting ladies be their pastors. What's that prove? Amen. I had I had a little Hispanic fella out there at the prison when I was working as a chaplain. He's a good young man. He's wrong about plenty of things. But I loved him. I, I still love him. If I found out where he was, when it, I, man, I'd... I'd be interested in helping him, not financially, but I'd be interested in helping him spiritually as much as I could. But he came to me and he said, Brother Nathan, he said, do you like Joyce Myers?' I said, absolutely, 100% not. Amen. He said, why not? He said, you Baptist, ain't you? I said, yes, sir, I sure am. He said, you believe it's wrong for a woman to pastor? I said, yes, sir, I sure do. Yes. He said, well, what happens if a woman gets up and preaches a sermon and hundreds of people come to the altar and get saved? I said, what about it? I said, you think that that justifies her doing wrong. I said, but I've seen God do things in my life when I was wrong. That doesn't make what I was doing wrong, right? That's God being gracious. Hey, if a woman preaches a sermon on the gospel and people get saved, that don't mean that woman's called to preach. It doesn't mean she's called to pastor. It means that God honored his word. You believe the gospel. Listen, if you believe the gospel, God will save your soul. It doesn't matter if it's being told by a man, a woman, or a mule. God will honor his word because God's faithful that way. God's also faithful to look at things that ain't right and say it ain't right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The more part advised to depart also. Hey, we all need to get out of here. Oh, yeah, we believe that. Paul said it's still not a good idea still not a good idea. Preacher staying up and preach something and the whole church get upset. I hope that would never happen, but I know it happens. Whole church get upset. What's that prove? What's that prove? You ever started talking to somebody and they quote unquote brought in a preacher, they hired a preacher, brought him in. And within a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months, you go and see that individual again that's a member of that church. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's not going so well. Well, what's the matter? Oh, this preacher, he just blah, 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 blah. Oh, really? Yeah, the whole church is mad at him. Really? Maybe I need to come down there and listen to it. Maybe I need to find out what's going on. It don't mean nothing. Amen. Yes, sir, the more part, the more part. Well, because the haven was not commodious to winter, and the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Venus and there to winter, which is an haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest and the northwest. Now look at what he says. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose. That's how it works, don't it? You get it in your mind that you're going to do something. And somebody steps on the scene. Usually a preacher. Might be your mama or daddy. Somebody that loves God more than you do. Yeah. We're just going to let it sit, sit in right there. You say, Brother Nathan, that's a strong statement. To me it feels a little bit strong. Maybe to you it just kind of goes over, over your head. But it's somebody that loves the Lord more than you do. that's the folks that offer you correction. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nobody trying to upset your apple cart. Somebody trying to help you. Get mad and bitter at you. Mama, we had a lady come here one time. She was not a member of this church. She didn't ever join this church. But she came here one time and began to express her disgust about her mom and daddy. So what was she mad about? Mom and daddy made her wear skirts. Hey, I don't, I, don't, I don't force my daughter to wear skirts. If she wants to wear pants, she can wear pants. But that's a poor thing to get upset with your mom and daddy about. At least your mom and daddy wasn't letting you run the roads and do whatever it was that you wanted to do. Amen. Get mad as the devil at mom and daddy. Get upset with mom and daddy over that kind of stuff. Seems a little bit foolish to me. Grandma and pappy don't let you run around the house and do whatever the blazes you want. Got some standards, say, no, sir, you're not going to live that way. You're not going to be this way. Boy, that's a poor thing to get upset about. Amen. Hey, listen, the people that don't love you are the people that say whatever you want to do. Amen. The people that couldn't give a rip, the people that couldn't give a rip about you are the people that says whatever it is that you want to do, you just help yourself. That's what a lot of politicians is doing. How hey, you want to come into this country, you just come on. You don't have to be documented. Let me just scratch a little itch here. Oh, Brother Nathan, he's getting political. Sure, absolutely. That's what a preacher's job is. Yes, sir. Hey, there ain't ain't no man in his right mind against foreigners coming to this country. What we're against is people coming in illegally. You say, why? Because the law matters. The law matters. We let go on that. It won't be very long before somebody's getting killed and they're not being put behind bars. This is a sanctuary city. A sanctuary from what? Order? That's exactly what it is. Well, Nathan, you kind of raining on my parade. I hope so if you believe that that's right. That ain't right. That's foolish. Yes, sir, that's, that's foolish. Yes, sir. Well, there's all kinds of rabbit trails in this sermon that I knew nothing about, but there they are. They keep popping out at me. But he says, when the south wind blew softly, hey, just as sure, just as sure as you get it in your mind that you're going to do something, somebody's going to step forward and say, no, you better not do that. You do that, it's going to hurt you down the road. No, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Okay. And the dangerous thing about that, listen, the dangerous thing about going ahead and doing it anyway is that just as soon as you decide to not take heed to the counsel that God sent your way, your circumstances are going to begin to align themselves to make it look like, hey, this is all working out. Hey, the south wind blew softly, and supposing that they have obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. Hey, The winds blow in the right direction. This is the breeze that we need to get to where we're going. Let's go. Now or never. No time like the present. And what they didn't realize is that just in the next verse, up pops a storm. Could have been avoided. They could have left it off. They could have gone the other way. But here pops up this storm. Verse 14, it says, but not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurachlidon. Some people say, you're, you're a Clyden. Uh, but my Bible's got it pronounced, you Yes, sir, here it is. You say, well, what's so significant about that? Well, let me, let me ask you something. Uh, we just had a hurricane come through here, and it was Hurricane Ian, right? I got that right? Hur- hurricane Ian. You know why we name our hurricanes? It's not because we like them. It's not because we want them as pets. It's because we have so many that show up. In a season that we have to have a way to dif- to differentiate one from the other, so we name them. Here's Hurricane Sally. I think they go A B C D E F G. So here's H- Hurricane Abigail, and here's Hurricane Bob, and here's uh, Hurricane Chamomile, or whatever. I don't know what what these folks name them, but here's all these names. But you know what that tells me? Hey, they named this storm. This is a certain storm. This is not the first time that a storm showed up over this body of water. It's happened in the past. But the owner of the ship didn't see it. You know who did see it? Paul. Hey, man, it's going to all work out. It's all going to be okay. No, I don't think so. Oh, what do you know? What do you know about sailing a boat? Well, I know something about these waters. I know about the path that you're walking down, and I've seen other people go down this path, and I know what's waiting for you is a storm. There it is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The owner of the ship had something on his mind is what it looks like that was distracting him from reality. I got something in my mind. I got a place I got to go, and ain't nobody going to talk me out of it. Ain't no no preacher going to tell me anything different. There ain't no mama or daddy going to convince me of anything different. Grandma's not going to talk no sense into me. Grandpa's not going to talk no sense into me. Old Aunt Sally that goes to church when I'm laying out, she's not going to talk no sense into I know what I want. And what that will cause a lot of people to do is to ignore reality. Hey, there's stuff that really happens in this life that will tear you apart. Yes, sir. Hey, there's a lot of folks. There's a lot of folks that have gotten pregnant out of wedlock and have made it. Got saved, got their life put together. Thank God. That is not the norm. Yes, sir. It's just not the norm. Hey, there's a lot of folks that have got messing around with weed. Something that's now legal because the government has to have something else to tax. You do know that's the only reason marijuana is legal. They couldn't give a rip about the health of the United States of America. They care about tax money, income, revenue. That's why they made it illegal for your forefathers to make moonshine. And then a couple of decades later, they legalized liquor traffic. I'm not for moonshine. I'm not for liquor. But if we're going to have liquor, I'd rather it be put in the, the money be put in the pockets of your forefathers, not in the pocket of the government. Probably won't hear too many preachers preach that way. But that's okay. That's true anyway. What the what the government's interested in is money. That's the only reason that marijuana's legalized. Hey, I know that there's some folks that get hooked on drugs and they get saved and hey God Pulled him out of that mess. Danny Hall was one of them. Got hooked on heroin. Danny Hall, he dead now. He passed away a couple of years ago. Danny Hall was so hard up on heroin that he would buy cheap wine and shoot it in his veins because he was so hard up for a high. Hey, let me tell you something. The old boy got saved. God saved him. Got him off all that stuff. But listen... In the latter days of his life, he had to take about 30 pills a day because he had to have a liver transplant and his body kept rejecting his liver. You say, where would all that come from? All oh, that dope. Yeah. I'm not telling you something that he wouldn't tell you. I've heard him say it with his own mouth. Oh, I'll do this and I'll be okay. No, you're not. You will not be okay. Storms are coming. Storms are brewing. It's going to be bad for you. It's going to be bad for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And listen, unfortunately, it's a storm. It's a storm that a lot of people know all too well. It's not an unfamiliar storm. You're, you're in. It's got a name. It's got a specific characteristic about it. Yes, sir. Oh, but what's that preacher know? That's what the owner of the ship's thinking. What's that preacher know? I'm the sailor. I own this ship. This is my ship. That's right. Hey, this is my life. That's right. It sure is. You do what you want to. What's that preacher know? Well, probably nothing, but he knows the Lord. He knows what's happened on these waters before. I'd be careful. I'd be careful. Hey, listen, you don't have to know a whole lot about sailing. All you got to know is something about the Lord. Yes, sir. Then look here in verse 15. The Bible said, when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Hey, listen, when you get into a storm, it's not going to be very long before you feel like you're caught. Hey, that's one of the things that is the most terrifying aspect of a storm. You feel caught. It was a couple of months ago. I forget how long ago it was. There was some, we got some notifications. I think me and Heidi got some notifications on our phone about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, tornado warning. Not a tornado watch, tornado warning landed. And I think it landed somewhere up north, north side of us. Or I get my directions all messed up. You don't want to get lost with me and let, us, let me try to find you out. You get lost with Heidi. She'll, she'll get you managed. But anyways, uh, we got these notifications on our phone. Woke up about 2 o'clock in the morning. Look out in the backyard and them old pine trees, them big furry sticks bent over like this. that's a sinking feeling in your gut when you look outside tornado warning on your phone and look out and see and it's dark if if something's touched down if a tornado's touched down at night you can't see it I told Heidi I said get the kids together let's go let's go up to the church she said we can't go right now she said "How how, how do you know where it's at She had a point. You know what I felt like? I felt like I was caught. Trying to get my family to safety, but at the same time knowing that the very thing that I'm trying to do to get safe might be putting me in more harm's way. You know what I needed? I needed some answers. When you get caught in a storm, ain't that what you're looking for? God, I really need some answers. Listen. Can I tell you, before you get in the storm, I hope you're not in the middle of a storm tonight. And if you're not, listen to me real close, please. The time to get answers is before the storm shows up. Yes, sir. Hey, the time to get answers is before the storm comes, so hopefully, hopefully, you can avoid the storm altogether. And if you can't avoid it, the damage will be minimal. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When the ship was caught and could not bear up under the wind, we let her drive. When a man gets caught in a storm, he gets caught. You know what he does? He has to take his hands off the wheel. Oh, Carrie Underwood had a song. Every good Christian knows that song. Jesus, take the wheel. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Some people really think that kind of stuff is spirit, spiritual. I hope you don't gauge your spirituality by country song. That's not a Christian song. That's a country song. And listen, if you get behind the wheel of a car and you let go of the wheel and start singing, Jesus, take the wheel, please let me know. I will never ride with you. Ever. Ever. Jesus taking the wheel while you're driving is a very dangerous thing to do. Jesus is not going to pop out of thin air and start driving you around. I know you like Carrie Underwood, don't you? Because she's pretty and she sounds good. That's what a lot of Christians like. That's what a lot of Christian fellas like. That's why a lot of Christian fellas watch the news. You couldn't give a rip about what they're saying. You care about that gal sitting on television in a miniskirt being immodest. Hey, why why don't them... You know what? Put some clothes on and then tell us the news. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you why. They've got to have a way to attract the, the male audience. Right. Right. You've been staring at that stuff for so long, you think that's just the way normal people dress. That ain't right. Amen. Yes, sir. That ain't right. Well, anyways, back to this sermon again. It's not going to be long before you feel like you're caught. Bible says in James chapter 1. He says in James chapter 1, verse 6, it said, He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. You know how you know a lot of people's in the storm? They sit right in here on Sunday and say, Amen, preacher, and go out on Monday evening. They're sitting on the edge of their bed saying, Is that really right? What he said, is that really true? You're being tossed about. Hey, one of the biggest storms that a lot of folks is going through is their own spiritual immaturity. And you could do something about that if you wanted to. You could do something about that. It takes some work, but you could do something about that. Well, let me tell you how to get through it. I told you how to avoid it. Let me tell you how to get through it if you're in there. Number one, you ready? Quit ignoring the preacher. Look at what he says right here. He said, verse 21... uh, well, look at verse 19. In the third day, we cast out our own hands, with our own hands, the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me. You should have listened to me. You know what Paul said? I told you so. That's exactly what no husband wants to hear from his wife's mouth. I told you so, but that's exactly what Paul said. I told you. I told you that this is what's going to happen. Hey, listen, if a preacher told the average church member that these days, average church member would move their membership. I'm not putting up with that foolishness. I'm just telling you that's what Paul did. He said, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete and to have gained... This harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be a good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. But of the ship. You know what got these folks in this mess? Ignoring the preacher. And you go through and you read the rest of this chapter. And you know who's running the boat? Paul is. Some fellows go down towards the belly of the boat, I guess over to the side. I don't know what you call all the parts of this ship. And they get over here and they got a a little boat hanging off the side. And hey, they're going to crawl in that thing and cut the ropes and let it fall down. They're going to get off the shore. You know what Paul says? Paul sees it. And he goes over there to the centurion and says, Except these abide in the ship, we're all going to be lost. The centurion goes over there and chops that boat off and lets it fall into the water. Paul's running the boat now. Hey, let me tell you something. You know who's run my life from about the time that I was twelve years old till now? You say it's the Lord. Sure, it was. Sure, it was. You know how He's been running it through preachers. Man, to stand up behind the pulpit and say that's not right. Man, to stand up. I'm not talking about somebody coming down to my house and going through my stuff and saying, you can't watch this and you can't do that. But a preacher stand up with God's Word and say, God's Word says this. Hey, God said you better do this. Hey, this is the way it's supposed to be. There's been times where I've ignored that, and you know what comes up? Storms. Just as soon as I get over myself and crawl to an altar and say, God, I'm sorry, I put my heart back into listening to the preaching. God to say, okay, God will start providing me some direction. Okay, I'll do it this time. Some of you got family members. You come down to a church like this, some of you got family members that say, you're part of a cult down there at People's Baptist Church. Some of you might think you're part of a cult. I don't know. <laughs> uh, them people down there run your life. They run every aspect of your life. That's what they say about you. That's what it looks like. Hey, the owner of the ship is still the one sailing the ship. But Paul's got some influence now. Yes, sir. How do I get through the storm, Brother Nathan? Quit ignoring the preacher. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let me say this, number two, start believing God. You believed everybody else and now you're in a mess. Start believing the Lord. Yes, sir. And don't just believe in God. Believe God. Believe what he said. Believe what he said. Yes, sir. You're in the middle of a storm. Get back to where you can hear what he says. Amen. Yes, sir. Get within earshot of God. Hey, this storm that you're going through, God probably let it come up to get a hold of your attention. God's probably... Hey, you know a lot of the sorrow of mind that shows up in your life? God allows that to come up so that you get tired of living the life that you're living. Amen. I wonder why I'm so depressed. God let you get depressed. Well, I was in here praying yesterday, I believe it was. might have been Friday, but I was in here yesterday. And I don't even know how it came up in my mind. I, I know the Lord was dealing with me about it. God showed it showed it to me. And I wasn't in here hooping and hollering and, you know, praying fervently like a house on fire. But I was just walking around and praying about things. And the thought struck me. I believe the Lord put this on my heart. The, thro- the thought struck me. Hey, if something happens in somebody's life, it's right. And I don't mean it's right as in morally right, but I mean it's meat. Hey, if you have trouble in your life, if your life is falling apart, it's right. I don't know why it's right, but it's right. God knows the, the compilation of all the influences in your past And that combined with the decisions that you've made has got you into the situation where you're at right now. And so where you're at right now, it's right. It's right. That's a great source of relief. That'll help you quit asking, why is this happening to me? You know what Jesus said? He said it in parable form, but he said, he said, what's right I'll give you. Why am I at where I'm at? Because it's right. I don't know why you're there. I don't know what decisions you've made that's got you there. I don't know what instruction you've had, good or bad, that's gotten you there. But I know this. You've made those decisions. You're there. And it's right for you to be there. You know what you've got to do now? You're going to have to start doing some things that makes it right for you to be somewhere else. You're going to have to make some different decisions. You're going to have to get some different information. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth thee to err. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Start believing God. And then let me say this. Look in verse 27. Look at what he said. He said, but when the 14th night was come, these boys are in this storm a long time. Hey, I don't want to be on no boat. I sure don't want to be on no boat. When the waves are about this high, I sure don't want to be in a boat when the waves are this high for more than about one hour. Fourteen days, I'm probably going to find a way to commit suicide. Yes, sir, these boys is in in this storm at least fourteen days, just up to this point, Hey, fourteen days. You say, what are you saying, Brother Nathan? Give God some time. Give God some time. Listen, you made a mess out of things over a process of about four months. Don't expect God to turn everything around in four seconds. You know what happens? A lot of people get crossways with the Lord somehow. They get crossways with God. And God starts dealing with them and God starts working on them and God gets their attention and they make their way down to an old-fashioned altar in a little church somewhere and they start repenting and changing their mind about the way that they're living and start trying to get right with God. And if God doesn't turn everything around in two weeks, hey, what's this all about? I'm doing right. You mean you've been doing right for the last two weeks. But you've been doing wrong for the last five years. Take a guy who's been married six times because he's wrong with God and he's got three or four kids out of wedlock, makes his way down to an altar and says, God, I want to get right with you. Hey, we'll shout, we'll shout it out. We will shout for you. But then you get up and go home. Hey, man, you got six. Past marriages you're going to have to deal with. And you got three illegitimate babies you're going to have to deal with. That's rough. Give God some time. You're not going to jump out of that situation and jump into full-time evangelism the next day. But God's unfair because he hasn't turned it all around in three seconds. No, no. No, this is something called consequences. It's a dirty word in this society, but it's consequences. Listen, it's not just for you. It's for everybody. It's for preachers. It's consequences. We'll give God some time. You in a storm? You starting to get your heart right? Okay, give God some time. Sow the right seed in the ground and give it time for that right seed to pop up. put corn in the ground, put green beans in the ground, put squash in the ground, go a couple months later and hear all this stuff pops up. Well, that's not what I was looking for. I really wanted some beets and radishes and mustard greens. So you start putting that in the ground and start putting that in the ground. The whole time while you're sowing this, you got squash coming out your ears and corn coming out your ears and green bean coming out your ears. And so you put these beets and radishes and mustard greens. I know they don't grow all in the same season, but just bear with me for sake of illustration. You start putting all this stuff in the ground, and then the next day you wake up and you still got more squash. You still got more corn. You still got more green beans. Well, where's my beets? I sowed them yesterday. That's not the way things work. It's just not the way things work. Give God some time. God been waiting on you for five years to get right with him. Finally, you got right with him. Praise the Lord, you got right with him. But now God has to drop his schedule and come running to you because you're so self-centered. You got right with him, but you still got a lot to learn, don't you? Yes, sir. Hey, I feel like, boy, I'm right with God, but, boy, I still got a lot to learn. Hey, hey, it's me. You remember me? Uh, Time for you to drop everything and come run into my aid. Hey, a lot of times God does that in his grace. But if things don't operate on your time schedule, give God some time. Hey, Lord Jesus, we got Lazarus. He's dead. Time for you to come and you're actually four days late. Jesus said, no. No, I'm right on schedule. Yeah. I got some other things that I've got to do in the middle of all this. What you might find is that if you'll be patient while you're getting right with God and putting right seed in the ground, God's going to do some things to where that stuff that you sowed in the past, God do something more in the future. Yeah. With with the good, with the works of obedience that you're now putting in the ground, God do something with that that'll make you forget about that. What did Joseph say when he got down there in Egypt and gave birth to Manasseh and Ephraim? He said, God hath made me to forget all my toil in my father's house. God made me forget all of it. A lot of stuff was done wrong to Joseph. And Joseph was doing right. God got Joseph down there in Egypt. He got lied about by Potiphar's wife. He got in prison, got pulled out by Potiphar. Potiphar's wife... uh, Lied about him, gets put back in prison, gets pulled out, exalted, and now he's in a place to where, man, God made him forget about all that his brothers did for him. Or did against him, rather. Give God some time. And let me say this, don't bail the ship. Verse 30, as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship, when they had let down the boat into the sea under color, as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, except these abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. Hey, don't bail out. You say, what you talking about, Brother Nathan? Suicide's not going to help you. Finding a new wife ain't going to help you. New husband's not going to fix anything. Yes, sir. You say, Brother Nathan, how is it that people can put a gun in their mouth and pull the trigger? Well, honestly, I don't know. But if I had to guess, I'd say they get in storms and they don't see any other way out. That's what they told us in suicide classes down there in prison. They said most people that commit suicide, I don't know how they know this, I guess from reading suicide notes. But they say most people that commit suicide, the reason that they do it is just because they're trying to stop the pain. Just trying to find a way of escape. People find a way of escape now through beer and through dope, through an illicit lifestyle, and then eventually, hey, you ain't got no other way to get out but just put a gun in your mouth and pull the trigger, just make a noose, put it around your neck and jump off, that's not going to solve anything. It will not solve anything. There's a, a wonderful life to be lived. Don't bail ship. Don't bail ship. Let me say this, verse 34, look in verse 34. Wherefore, Paul's talking to them now. Well, verse 33, he said, And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the 14th day that you've tarried and continued fasting, fasting having taken nothing. You ever gotten such a messed up situation that you didn't have an appetite? That stuff's real. That stuff happens. Paul says, Wherefore, I pray, I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health, for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. You know what you need to do when you get in a storm? You need to start eating. Might do you well to eat physically, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is eating spiritually. You know what Jesus said? He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Start finding what God wants you to do and just being obedient. Say, so Brother Nathan, I'm not a good witness, okay? Can you can you pass out a gospel track? Can you do that? Pass out one a day. Just one. When you get that handled, two a day. What what you're gonna do is you're gonna pass out a track to somebody, and somebody's gonna say, What's this? uh, uh it's the winning lottery numbers. Start obeying, and then let me say this: last but not least, lighten the load. Lighten the load. Look, look down here. Uh, look in verse thirty-seven, and we were in all the ship two hundred three score and sixteen souls. You see, they're not in. There. Paul's not in there by himself. The owner of the ship is not in there by himself. Centurion's not in there by himself. It's not part of this point, but it's a good point to make. You know who's in there? A lot of other people. You're not in your storm alone. If you're the one that's going through a storm, somebody's in there with you. You say, Oh, it's the Lord. I'm talking about your family. Hey, when my wife goes through something, you know who that affects? Wherever my other one is floating around in here somewhere, it affects them. It affects me. Hey, when I start going through trouble and tribulation, you know who it affects? Go through things sometimes, you can't talk about it. Talk about it, you get bitter about it. She knows. She starts going through things, can't talk about it. I know. I don't know what it is. Usually I come home and it's something like... (laughs) Hmm? You automatically fly off the hat? No. Sometimes you do. Then you walk away and say, well, there's probably something more to that than what I thought. Oh, it's just the kids getting on her nerves. It might be she got a burden for something. She knows about something. Hey, it could be that he knows about something. It could be that he knows something about you that's killing you and he's burdened. It's a storm but you're not in that thing by yourself. There's a bunch of people on board there. And you know, when you get in the storm, among all the other stuff that I've told you tonight, you need to lighten the load. He said right here in verse 38, he said, when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. You know what that wheat was? That's their cargo. That's the stuff that they're going to make a living with. You know what they did? They threw it overboard. When you're in the middle of a storm, There are some things that are very important, and then everything else is just not. You know what your goal is in a storm? It's not to be comfortable. It's not to be happy. Your goal in a storm is to survive. How do I get through to the other side with me and all the rest of the people on board? I don't think we're going to throw all this weed overboard. Then you're going to die. What becomes the most important to a lot of people in the middle of a storm is the money that they make and the stuff that they have. And you are fixing to lose everything that really matters. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. I got a lot of stuff. I got a lot of stuff that I like. You do too. But there ain't none of that stuff that's important as those people Yes, sir. Listen, if you get through to the other side of the storm and the only thing you've got is the clothes on your back and your little spouse and your babies, you're fortunate. Yeah. Yeah. They got to the shore and all that they had left, all that they had left was the clothes on their back and all the people, all the souls were still living. That's all they had. You know what a storm will teach you? What's really important. These boys came through the other side and they came through with a bunch of lessons. Well, the preacher wasn't wrong like we thought he was. Obedience to God is more important. We could have made a lot of money on this week, but that's really not important when life starts getting threatened. What's important is just making it through. Hey, some of you sitting in here, you used to have a lot of stuff and now you got less. But you know what you got? You got those people sitting around you. Some of you got family members sitting right in here in church with you. Hey, that's worth more than anything that Bill Gates has got. That's worth more than Steve Jobs could ever dream of having. Got my little family sitting right here in the house of God with me? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What I'm talking about is weather in a storm. Weather in a storm. Do you want to get through? Hey, I hope you're not in one tonight. But if you're not in one, one will probably come. One will probably come. Make sure you do your due due diligence to not get in there. But if you're in one tonight, you can get out. You can get out. Give God some time. Give God some time. Get right. Give God some time. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness tonight, Lord. And we sure do thank you, God, for, Lord, how good you are to us, Lord. the, The clarity, Lord, that's provided, Lord, in the Scripture, God, and, Lord, we pray, God, that you help us, God, to take heart, Lord, help us to take encouragement, Lord, from the word of God. Lord, take direction. And, God, Lord, just leave the rest with you. God, leave the consequences with you. God, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Some folks that come tonight, you need to do business. You can do business down here at an altar or there in your seat. But do business as the Lord leads you. Amen.